just to, uh, just to worship You. You're a great God. You're the greatest Father. I believe it from the bottom of my heart. You're the greatest Father anybody could ever encounter, Lord. And uh, this is why we come and worship You this morning in this way. And then we wanna worship You with our lives by the way that we live, Father God. We thank You for Your Word as well, God. And as we come now just to hear from Your Word, we pray that You would speak to our hearts. I believe, Lord, from the bottom of my heart that Your Word is so powerful and uh, Your Word does not return void and fulfills its plans and promises, great God. And we just pray that You would do that now. Speak to us. And more than that, would You give us that heart and that willingness to say, all right, God, I need to respond. I wanna respond to You. And that this week, we'd just be, we, we, We'd just be challenged by Your Word and that we would respond to You, Father God, or today, uh, that we wouldn't wait, but respond to You. So Father, we thank You and uh, we love You and we just commit this time to You now in Jesus' mighty Name, Amen. Amen, feel free to grab a seat. Great to uh, have you here this morning and such a privilege to be able to share with you this morning as well. Uh, we have been doing this series uh, in James and uh, I tell you what, what a cracking series. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm biased or something, but I think it's been amazing. Um, we've been doing it in our Connect group as well and just been so powerful. And there's something, you know, there's something powerful about the book of James where it just, I mean, James just shoots from the hip. I mean, there's no confusion as to what he's saying. Like, it's just like, he just says what it is and you just, you just can't, you know, uh, like I said in the first service, you can't do kind of gym... Uh, you can't do spiritual gymnastics around it. You know, like, oh, maybe I'll just kind of, maybe he's not really saying this, but he's saying this. No, he just shoots straight from the hip. This is what it is. And, uh, and it's been an amazing series. And hopefully uh, you've enjoyed it as well. So today we uh, launch uh, back into James chapter four. And we're gonna look at these verses, verses 13 to 17. And I'm gonna read them. We're gonna read them together uh, right up front. So let's read these verses together. It says this, come up on the screen, hopefully. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. He says, why do you, uh, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. Wow, powerful words. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> but, it's, uh, but it is powerful. It's really, really powerful. You, you, there's no mistake in here what James uh, is saying. Now, I remember, uh, many of you will be familiar with my story and my journey uh, in coming to faith and uh, my life was radically transformed. But, but it's interesting, my journey even coming into ministry then, um, I came to faith, like I said, and my life was transformed. And I just, I, I remember distinctly, and this will always stay with me, but I remember distinctly coming to faith and it was such, I mean, I was, I was, I had no hope and no purpose to life and all these things and I counted God and everything changed. And I remember saying to God very early on, and this has always been the heartbeat of, of, of tried to be the heartbeat of my life, but I remember saying to God very early on, God, 
I am going to tell people about you for the rest of my life. Like I just, I just knew it. I'm going to tell people about you for the rest of my life. And part of the reason I, I felt like that is because I just, like God has saved me. Do you know what I mean? Like God, like I, I was lost. I was completely lost and, and hopeless and God had saved me. And I remember just thinking, why, why wouldn't I want it? When you deeply love something, you can't help it. Like you just want to tell people. And I said, God, I'm going to tell people about you for the rest of my life. Now that wasn't necessarily becoming a pastor or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, seriously, who would want to be a pastor? Uh, but um, but I just, I just remember, I, I'm going to tell people about it. And at the time I was doing carpentry and I love I love building. And I just said, I'm going to tell people about you forever. And so I journeyed, I was doing carpentry and all that sort of stuff. But as time went on, I had, I had plans for my life. And uh, I was doing my carpentry apprenticeship. And then at night, near the end of my apprenticeship, at night I'd go to TAFE and I would do my builder's license. I was doing a couple of nights a week at TAFE, uh, getting my low-rise builder's license because I wanted to get that so then I could go out on my own and then do, uh, I wanted to do property developing and build houses and all that sort of stuff. So I was doing that at night. And then I remember I finished that, I got my builder's license and then I'd caught up with like a finance broker guy. And uh, this was kind of just nearing after my apprenticeship and we caught up and we went through all my finances. And I remember coming to the conclusion that, okay, we're good to go for, for my first project. And uh, so I had all these plans and this is what I was gonna do. And I remember at that time though, I was very involved in the church. And the reason I got involved in the church because God saved my life. And I said, well, God, I wanna give back. Like I just, I, I want to give you, I wanna give back. I, like the least I can do is give you my life. Like you saved me. So the least I can do is give me my life. So I started serving in the church and Nathan was young adults pastor at the time. And I was helping out with a bit of young adult stuff. And I had a few little opportunities here or there to do announcements in a young adult service on a Wednesday night. And I was petrified. I mean, I would have spent a week uh, working out how to do those announcements because the problem was, see, I I couldn't public speak. I failed everything at high school because I couldn't public speak and I never wanted to public speak. But it's a funny thing, isn't it? Be careful because God will often take your weaknesses and use them for His glory. And it's amazing because then you can never take glory for it. You can say it's only God, only the grace of God. So, uh, but I had an opportunity uh, to preach on a Sunday night and unbeknownst to me, the church had been praying, uh, you know, you know, whether or not they should call me on board as an intern young ads pastor. Now that was not on my radar whatsoever, but I loved working with young adults. I love doing young adults and uh, I love people. God, my, my man, God's amazing now. He changes your heart. My love for people when I came to faith was extraordinary, extraordinary. And uh, I still do love people. And so, um, so they've been praying. So I had this opportunity to preach on a Sunday night and I preached that night and God just, God moved as He does. And quite a few uh, people came to faith that night and God just really moved. And they felt that was a confirmation for them. And the next day I was at work on the job site and Nathan texted me, said, hey, if you want, we should catch up tomorrow. If you've got time, come in after work. Um, me and Pete would love to catch up with you. And I just thought, oh no, like what did I say in that sermon? Like I'm getting dragged in. They're gonna pull me over the coals, you know, like, uh, you know, you should see them in the office, they're intense. No, I'm only joking, they're the most incredible. What you see is what you get, God-filled men. Um, very gracious and loving. But I went into the office the next afternoon, on Tuesday afternoon, I was still really nervous. What are they gonna say? And they say, hey, listen, we've been praying as a church council, you know, about coming on board as an intern pastor. And we really feel like God's given us some clear confirmations. We want you to consider that or just have a think about it. And I just flat out said, no, <laughs> no. Like that's not, and you know why? This is why though. I said, no, because I've got plans. 
Do you know what I mean? Like I've got plans and I've gone and done my builders and they didn't know this, but a week earlier, I don't even think they know this now, but you're hearing it now, Nath. Uh, but, uh, but a week earlier, um, I just caught up with this finance guy and I had plans to start this first project and get into property development and all sorts of stuff. And so I said, no. And, and, but I said that famous line, you've got to be careful because I said that famous line, but I'll pray about it. I'll pray about it. <laughs> And so, but I did, you know, I really did. And I went home and I got in the car. I remember after that meeting, I got in the car and I said, God, no way. Like this, this isn't part of the plan. Like, like maybe I had this inkling. I had the, I must admit, I'm admitting now. I must admit there was something deep in my soul. I thought maybe there could be some sort of a full-time pastoral call there in some way or another, because I was just so passionate. I just need to tell people about it. Um, but I got in the car and I thought, no, like this, I've got plans. I've got plans. And I drove and I prayed for the next two weeks, but God spoke to me like, it, it's a funny, pray, he, he's faithful, he'll answer. He really does. I really believe in the power of prayer. And he really spoke to me. But there was one thing, he spoke to me through his word. He gave me a few really clear words, but there was one thing I remember uh, he said to me, just in my spirit. And one day, I was, again, I was praying about it and God said, David, what do you want to do? Like, do you want to develop land or do you want to develop my kingdom? And that's kind of a strong, like, yeah, that's a strong word, isn't it? It's sort of like, oh, gee, I can't really go back on that. So anyway, the rest is history. And I ended up going, okay, God, like, okay, I'll do this. And started jumping into pastoral ministry. But the thing was this, is that part of the reason I didn't want to do it was because, like I said, I had plans. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've done that. Like, let's be honest, we've all done it. We've all like thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to pursue this career. I'm going to do all these things. And we have these visions and these ideas and these concepts of what we're going to do in the future. And it's fascinating because James says this. He says, hey, listen. Like his word says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. He says, he says, why do you, why do you not even know what will happen? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow and yet and yet time and time again we, we we kind of go oh yeah this is what I'm gonna do this is what I'm gonna do the reality is we don't even know you know lately I've been I've been thinking about this a lot lately and just going I actually have intentionally tried to not think too far ahead now I'm not saying that God may have laid a vision on your heart and absolutely you say all right God and you may move towards that and God may give you a long-term vision I know he's laid some things on my heart long-term but I don't let that consume my whole thinking. Like I've just got to pursue this, pursue this. Today is all I've got. And what James is saying is, hey, just be very careful. Just be very careful to muster up plans. See, there's a huge difference between a, a vision that God's laid on your heart and a vision that you've got for your life. And so James is warning you and he's warning me, be very careful not to kind of muster up all the visions and the plans and the things that you've got for your life and then be totally infatuated or totally consumed by these visions that you have for your life. Be very careful. Because I don't know about you, but I can barely do two things at once. You know what I mean? Now, some of you are probably really talented and do two or three or even four things well. I can't even do two. I can do about one thing well at one time. That's about all I can focus on. So he says, don't be consumed by this distant thing that may or may not happen. The reality is, he says, it may not even happen anyway. It may not happen. And we do this all the time, don't we? We think, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to pursue this, I'm going to build this business and all this sort of stuff. Now, that may not necessarily be a bad thing. If that's your call, then do it. 
Honestly, if God's called you, and, so, and he has, for some of you he's called you, uh, sorry, I'm not saying anything against property developers. If you're a property developer, that's your call. That just wasn't mine at the time, okay? But God calls us to all sorts of things, right? But the thing is, it's about his call for your life and not your idea or concept or I'm gonna go after this. It's discovering what his will is and going, okay, chasing after that. Because James says, hey, you may pursue all this stuff and it may never even happen anyway. And then you've been fixated on this one thing that may not even happen. And I get it. See, this is a struggle. I don't know about you. I struggle with this all the time. Like, don't you struggle with this? It's this battle between the flesh and the spirit, my, my flesh. Like, like I am at the core, I, I discover more and more, I find that, that I'm, there's the selfishness in me. Like, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced that? Surely you have. Like, you, you've experienced, I think there's something in all of us that we just feel, we just, there's this selfish desire. I wanna do what I wanna do. That's what I wanna do. I, I, I battle with this all the time. But, but you know, your life's not yours. You were bought with a price. I was bought with a price and it was a costly one. And so your life isn't yours. Your life is not your own. We were bought with a price. So it's not about me saying, I'm gonna do this, God. It's about saying, God, this is your life. What do you wanna do? What do you wanna do today? You know, driving along, God, what do you wanna do? Who do you want me to phone? You know, I often pray that, God, and I don't always do it. And I know I don't always, but sometimes I just say, God, all right, I've got some time here. I'm going for a drive. I've got Bluetooth, by the way, just in the car, uh, not on the phone. But, but who, who do you want me to call? Is there someone you want me to call? It's just it's walking in the Spirit. It's about His plans for your life, not ours, not ours. And I wrestle with this, I do. John Piper, he says this, he says, he says, oh, this is in his book, by the way, Don't Waste Your Life. And he says this, he says, I'm wired by nature to love the same toys that the world loves. He says, I start to fit in. I start to love what others love. I start to call earth home. Before you know it, I'm calling luxuries needs and using my money just as the way unbelievers do. I begin to forget the war. I don't think much about people perishing. Missions and unreached people drop out of my mind. I stop dreaming about the triumphs of grace. I sink into a secular mindset that looks first to what man can do, not what God can do. It is a terrible sickness. And I thank God for those who have forced me again and again toward a wartime mindset. Now, just to clarify, the wartime mindset he's talking about is the spiritual battle that we're in. It's that battle, battle of the flesh and the, and the spirit. Your flesh is, oh, it's all, your life's all about you and the culture around you. Don't you see it? Don't you see it? I'm being discipled every day. You're being discipled every day into this culture that, hey, hey, this is all there is. It's all about you. So just live for you only. Spend your money on yourself. Spend your resources on yourself. Spend your time on yourself. Don't think about anyone else. Just live for self. And it's really sad and it's really damaging because we are perishing away. Our souls are becoming more and more dissatisfied and it's destroying us. It's literally destroying our culture. And James says, don't get caught up in it. Don't buy into it. He says, listen, don't plan or have these big dreams about today or tomorrow. It may not even happen. It may not happen. I wrestle with it all the time. Every day I need to wake up, God, today is your day. What do you want to do? What, what do you want to do today? You know, even yesterday, um, uh, we got up and, and, and I had this thought, and, and it, because it's been a bit, it's been raining a little bit lately. 
And I, it was sort of sunny in the morning. I thought, oh, we should just, you know, get out with the kids and go and do something. And I mentioned to my wife, and she goes, oh, yeah. She goes, well, maybe we could go down to Sandgate or something like that. And we'll take the kids scooters and stuff and just go for a walk along Sandgate. And it's, you know, it's beautiful down there. And it was sunny in the morning. I thought, sounds like a, a great idea. So we just thought, we'll quickly do it, you know, get the kids in the car. And, and so trying to quickly organise the kids and the scooters and stuff. And so what, you know, probably could have been five minutes jumping in the car. One hour later, um, we, uh, we, we finally get the kids in the car. We got a six-year-old, three-year-old and a one-year-old. And, um, and we get the scooters in and we drive down to Sandgate. And it's, it's really amazing down there. Like, it's beautiful. Many of you have walked along the paths and we get down there and there's, you know, some cool playgrounds for the kids and stuff. We take the scooters and we're scooting. There's fish and chip shops and coffee shops. Grab a coffee, you know. And I'm looking around there. It's just awesome. Like, it's just awesome. And I'm looking around Sandgate. You know what I started to think? And I, didn't, I hadn't thought about it earlier in that day or really, I don't even know if I've thought about it in the last six months or whatever, since maybe last time we were there. Uh, but as I'm, as I'm there, I, th- I thought to myself, you know, you know, I think we could live here. Like, I reckon we could live here. <laughs> now, we, we don't live near Sango. We live down at Banyo, actually. And actually, funny story, I was talking to someone, I can't remember who I was talking to, but um, they weren't from around here. And they were, they were asking me, oh, where do you live and stuff? I said, oh, I live in Banyo. And they're like, oh, where's that in Brisbane? And it's like, oh, sort of north, like east, I suppose. Like, we're kind of near the water sort of thing. Like, we got, we got like Nudgy Beach up the road. And then they go, oh, so you live near a beach? Like, and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, do you go surfing there? <laughs> So do you go surfing in Nudgee Beach? Oh, no, not really, not quite. Um, so anyway, uh, but uh, so, so anyway, we're up at Sandgate. Though, you know, that's, you know, the posh people live up there. If you live at Sandgate, uh, yeah. If you, get a, if you get a water's view, oh, my goodness, I'm really covered in now. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so we're, we're, uh, we're, we're there. And I just had this thought, this thought out of the blue, like, I could live here, right? Like, I could live here. And I was talking to Raquel, and then we started looking at the house. Oh, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be an amazing lifestyle? Like, and all of a sudden, we, we, the more you talk about it and think about it, it's like, yeah, no, no, we need to do this. Like, we need to live here. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and then we started thinking about, you know, it'd be incredible. We started talking about it. It'd be incredible because even if, look, even if, Lord, you know, we're not wanting too much. Like, we don't even need water views. Like, that's okay. Like, it doesn't need to be on the front. But even if we just walked in, you know, just in one of the avenues there in Sandgate or Brighton and just within walking distance, like short walking distance would be awesome. And, and we started to justify how, you know, how good it would be for us and the lifestyle. And, you know, we'd just, the kids would come home from school and then we could just walk down the water's edge and go for a walk. And besides, it's not too much further, you know, it's not too far from here. Like, it's still not too far from work and things like that. And all of a sudden, I just started to get in this mindset, like, yeah, this is, what, this is what I need for my life and it's, and it's all about me. And I realised, well, hang on a second, like, it, you know, and may, again, look, maybe you do need to live in Sandgate. I don't know, but it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to justify like, oh yeah, I could live in Sandgate and then I could kind of, and then I, and it's easy to spiritualise stuff and go, oh yeah, and like I'd start a ministry here, of course, and that's why we'd need to live here. And I hate running, but all of a sudden I'll start a, a running ministry, you know, down by the water. And, and, and I've never run in my life, you know, going, going to the, running to the fridge is, is far enough. But, um, but all of a sudden, you know, we justify the stuff and we make out, oh, you know, this is God's plan for my life. And like, I, I don't think, you know, I'm just prefacing, I'm not sure if God's calling us to live in, in Sandgate, but if we do wind up there, then it must have been His plan, all right? But, but it's like... We just so easily, I get it, we so easily just get caught up on just my life and what we're going to do and all this sort of stuff. And God's, God's got a higher calling for you, like a far higher calling. 
don't you want to see what God wants to do? Not what you want to do. Like, I don't want to see what I want to do because it's, it's stupid. Like, it's crazily small what I can achieve. Like, ridiculously. I'm so, I know how ordinary I am. I want to see what God can do. And I don't want to live in what I want to do. I want to live in what God wants to do because it's way bigger. It's way bigger than what um, I, I've got in store for my life. And so we just get so fixated on what we want to do. And God says, he reminds us, he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. Remember, it's about souls. It's about people. It's about my kingdom. You know, if Jesus says, I came to seek and save which was lost, and he says, follow me, I think this needs to be a high priority. He says, go and make disciples. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Like, this is your priority. It's not about you. It's about my kingdom. And we just get so easily fixated on what I want to do, what we're looking at. And James says, hey, don't, don't say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Because he says, why? Do you, wh- why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. And Jesus talks about this as well. He says, you don't even, he says, why do you worry? Why do you worry about tomorrow? You don't even know. You don't even know. You know, tomorrow's got its own worries of itself. Focus on today. Today is literally all we have. It's like, it's like fear in our lives, fear or worry or anxiety. Or, you know, so often we can get consumed by this stuff that we're thinking of ahead of time. Like, oh, if this unfolds, how am I going to go about it? And we get consumed by it now. And have you ever been in a situation where you've been really worried or concerned or, or fearful or anxious about a situation that's going to happen ahead of time? I mean, many of us have felt like that before. And have you ever experienced then what it's like for then that to never even unfold? Like you got so consumed by it, so caught up on it, and never, never even happened anyway. And James is saying, you plan out your life and you think you can do all these things. Hey, chances are you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And even as we reflected upon this, I just thought, yeah, like <clears throat> we were, Raquel and I were talking a little bit about it last night. And we were just like, yeah, like how often do we do that? How often do we think ahead and we think, oh, we're going to do this and do that. And it never, it never ends up happening. And it's that mindset of, it's that mindset of, or, or how often in our lives we think, you know, or, or let me put it this way. It's like, I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and go, oh, I could have done so much more. Like I could have done so much more. And I just live so much of my life just surrounded around me. I could have done so much more for the kingdom of God. Or, or we're reflecting as well. Imagine if, like, because we just don't know. And I've, I've in my own life just tried to think about, you know, uh, not thinking too far ahead, but just living in the present. Okay, you know, six, 10 months. And yes, you kind of plan for some things a little bit, but just going, I, I don't know. I don't know what will happen to you. Like I often think I, could, I couldn't even be here in one week's time. You know what I mean? Now you may think, oh, geez, like that's pretty morbid, bro. Like, um, you know, you wouldn't have said that. Just oh, I said that. But, um, you know, that's pretty morbid. Like, why, why would you say that? But I know where I'm going. I really am convinced I know where I'm going. Like, this isn't my home. I'm literally passing through, passing through. And you know what? All the talents and the resources and the money I have anyway is simply, I'm literally a steward of what God has given me anyway. So I know where I'm going. So, I, you know, I don't want to live too far ahead. I just want to go, okay, God, this is your day. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And so often we think ahead and then it doesn't end up happening. I remember... You may remember this if you were around at the time, but I remember, what is it, a few years ago now? COVID's been around? I don't know. It feels like forever. But uh, anyway, pre, um, pre-COVID and all the lockdowns and all that sort of stuff, I remember uh, years ago, I was pretty involved with uh, Christian surfers and stuff like that. And somehow got in contact. I think uh, John O'Bailey's the, the director or the head of uh, National, National uh, Christian Surfers. 
And uh, at the time, um, or you may know uh, Bethany Hamilton. Now, Bethany Hamilton, if you're unfamiliar, she's a professional surfer. Uh, she grew up surfing and she was out in the surf one day and got attacked by a shark and her board was bitten, her arm was bitten off. It's a very full-on story. Uh, but it's a remarkable story of her recovery and her trust and faith in God. And, and uh, she ended up working her way back into professional surfing uh, despite losing her arm. And it's just this remarkable story. And they were releasing a new movie um, by Bethany Hamilton at the time. And John O'Bailey got in touch and said, listen, Bethany's going to come to Australia. She grew up in Hawaii, lives in Hawaii, I think. She's going to come to the come to Australia for the release of her movie here and she's actually going to tour around Australia releasing her movie and she's going to come to Brisbane. Do you want to host, like as a church or whatever, do you want to host uh, at the cinemas her and she'll actually come and be there at the cinema and you can, she can talk at the start of the film and she can, you can do a bit of Q&A with her and stuff like that and bring whoever and I just thought this is a great opportunity and she's so, her faith in God's remarkable. I thought this is a really extraordinary opportunity. And I remember um, in the lead up to that going, we, we chatted a little bit um, uh, John O and I, we chatted a little bit through that. And, uh, and I said, okay, so I remember distinctly being on the phone and saying to him and saying, okay, so just checking, because we're about to launch this thing in church. I'm going to announce it in church. And, you know, maybe I'm just protecting my own pride. But I was like, listen, just checking. Uh, this is definitely happening, isn't it? Because I'm about to launch and tell the whole church that this is what's going on. And Bethany Hamilton's coming and all this sort of stuff. It's definitely happening. He goes, absolutely, she's coming. It's all locked in. We're good to go. It's like, brilliant. So I don't know if we did some flyers or whatever, but I do remember distinctly being here in the morning service and talking about it in announcements and at night service, talking about announcements like this is, you know, this is going to be an exciting thing happening. And in the midst of it, we were not sort of far out, maybe a couple of weeks out from doing it. And then all of a sudden this COVID thing comes up and this concept of, you know, uh, lockdowns and all this sort of thing and business shutdowns and cinemas being closed. And I just thought, surely that's not, like, surely that's not going to happen. And then the whole thing was off, like just like that. And she literally just flew home straight back to Y. I think she just arrived in Australia, flew straight back to Y and nothing, nothing happened anyway. And not that I was necessarily consumed, but I remember thinking, oh, this is this awesome thing that we're going to do. And it never happened anyway. And James is saying, hey, hey, don't, just be careful. Just be careful not to get so fixated on something you're going to do in the future. It may not happen. Anyway, why do you, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Now, I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying that God may be laying something on your heart and it's good to plan towards those things and just, uh, you know, but be very careful not to get so fixated on years in advance. He says, you know, why do you not even, uh, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. And he goes on to say, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. A mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This is so true, so true. I, I often pray this, I often pray, God, just help me to number my days. <clears throat> In other words, Lord, help me just to, to live for now, to, to number my days. Help me not to just think that my life's just gonna go on. There'll be another day, another day, another day. Because so often we can, just, we can just float along, float along, but to be consumed by what you have in store for my life, to be fixated on the kingdom of God. We need, a, we need an eternal perspective, not an earthly one. What he's doing here is he's saying to us, don't get fixated on what you're going to do. Get, get your mind and your heart set on the kingdom of God and then give everything towards that. Live for the kingdom of God, not live here for this earth. But live for the kingdom of God. I just, um, 
I heard this little story last night, actually, and it was talking about John Wesley. And I hadn't really thought about it like this from this concept, but it was talking about John Wesley, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, his brother, uh, were so used by God influentially in, in one of the, you know, some of the, the greatest awakenings in all of history. And I think it was George Whitfield was around at that time as well. But John Wesley, they just had devoted their lives for the kingdom of God. And uh, they just, anything, anything they, they had, they would give out and they would just, 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 live for the kingdom. They just had this kingdom mindset, this eternal mindset. And I think it was John Wesley that wrote all these hymns and written all these books and would have sold all these books. But it was believed, I heard this, that when he died, he literally had like next to nothing left, nothing left. He'd given everything away. He just lived a life where it was like, my life's not mine. So he just gave it away. He apparently had six pounds or whatever left uh, to his name, but he'd given everything to the orphanages they started and all his book sales and things like that. He just gave it all away. And I hadn't really thought about it like this. The only money that he had left, this very small amount of money, he just said, I want you to leave that to the pallbearers that carry my coffin. That's it, that's it. He just, he just said, it's, it's, all the, it's all for the kingdom of God. And he just committed his life for the kingdom of God. And I remember just hearing that last night. Oh, I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it like that perspective because look, I'd be the first to admit, I, one of the biggest struggles in my life, right, is I, I grew up with this sense of, I wanna be financially secure and just have money and just, it's been a real struggle for me. It really has. And God's had to work in my heart in this area to, to learn how to be more generous and to not, to not be stingy or hoard up stuff for myself and to, to learn that my life is not about me, but it's about the kingdom of God. And we are so susceptible to just living this way that no, it's all about me. It's all about here on this earth. But James says, hey, your life is a mist. Your life is a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. There's a quote uh, by uh, C.S. Lewis, and he says this, he says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did most for this present world are just the ones who thought most of the next. He says, the apostles themselves who set on foot in the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. He says, it is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they've become so ineffective in this. He says this, this is interesting. He says, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. It's a great quote. And here's what God wants to do. You see, because we are so occupied, we live in this, this, this mindset of earth and everything here. And that's what is mostly consuming our mindset. And, and that's become the biggest thing in our mindset. It's just all about this earth. And, and I get it because we live here and it's kind of all we can see. And this is why it's so important to read the Bible daily, to pray uh, daily, to set our mindsets on the things of God. And what God wants to do is He wants to shift our mindset from earth consuming our whole, whole minds to the kingdom of God consuming our whole minds. And as we do that, we will live radically different radically different as C.S. Lewis talks about here as well. And this is what James is saying. He says, you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Life is short. It's a vapour, it's a mist, and then it's all over. I was going to do it. Many of you may be familiar with it, but you know, um, 
Francis Chan, as we've been doing this series, Francis Chan has this illustration. We've, I think I've done it at night before, but not in the morning. But he has this illustration. I was going to do it, but I think I've just talked way too long anyway. I'll just quickly explain it. But, but um, you know, he does this illustration where he grabs this rope and he pulls it out. It's just this long rope. And he says, you know, imagine for a second that this, this represents eternity. And he has this little bit of tape on this rope. And he says, in light of eternity, in light of eternity, this represents our little life. It's just this like little mark on this rope. And he says, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy because we live our lives consumed by this little tiny mark on this rope when we've got all this ahead of us. There's a whole eternity ahead of us. And it's crazy. We put all our energy and our time and our resources and money into this little tiny mist, as James calls it. This, this little, little tiny vapour of a life. And we pour everything into that when we don't even realise, but we've got all this to go. And the Bible indicates that what you do in this life actually impacts the next. So why would we be so consumed? Why would we be so consumed by this little tiny, you know, vapour of a life when, when we've got all this ahead of us? And yet we do it all the time. We do it all the time. But God, out of His grace and His mercy, says, I want to shift your heart. I want to shift your heart. And not because God's, a, you know... Not because God wants you to have a miserable life. So, oh, I'm going to take that away. I'll take this away. Or, you know, you need to give this away or whatever. God loves you so much. He has the best life for you. Like he, he has what's best for you. He has it. And so he wants to shift your mindset to a kingdom mindset. And so he says, what is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He says, instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will. No, no, not, not what I want to do. Not, not, what, not what I'm caught up in. He says, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. We will live and do this or that. Now, like I said, and I, I don't always get it right, but more and more, I just, I'm just trying to wake up in the morning and say, okay, God, today's actually not my day. I, I often think it is, or we think it is, but it's not. This isn't my day. This is your day. So what do you want to do, Lord? What do you want to do? And you know, it may just be a phone call. It may be buying someone something. It may be being generous. It may be dropping in to see someone. It may be a number of different things. It may be going to the very workplace in which you work and, and God saying, you know what, I need you to do this for the very person that you sit next to every single day and you don't even know it, but they're struggling behind the scenes and I want you to offer whatever it might be to that person. I want you to help your neighbour. That may be the one thing. And you know, as I've been thinking about it and reflecting upon it, I'm like, the reality is, that I could do a whole heap of things in my day that actually have very little significance in the light of eternity. And I could do just one little thing that God wants me to do that day. And that could mean everything. Do you know what I mean? And I've just spent the whole day or the entire week wasting it on what you know, I think is a good idea, but not a God idea. There's a huge difference between a good idea and a God idea. Yeah, maybe good and you know, it seems, seems from a worldly perspective, oh, it's, it's a wise thing to do. But no, we need to work out, God, what do you want me to do today? He says this, James says this, as it is, you boast in, uh, instead you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. So it's working out, it's working out. What is God's will for my life? I can't remember, it might've been Smith Wigglesworth or whatever, one of the greats uh, in history. But he says, he says, um, Know the will of God. I nearly forgot off the top of my head. That would have been awkward. But he says this. <clears throat> he says, know the will of God, confer no longer with flesh and blood, and then do it at all costs. So know the will of God, confer no longer with flesh and blood, which I often do that. What he's saying is, 
once you know the will of God, you don't need to talk anymore, any, anymore to anybody else like because you know it. If you deeply know God has said, I want you to do this, don't confer with anyone else anymore because sometimes I can actually be put off or sometimes I talk to somebody else and they bring a new perspective and it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You've, God has spoken and He says, know the will of God, confer no, confer no longer with flesh and blood and then do it at all costs. In other words, if it's, the, uh, if it's God's will, just do it. And I often say this, but even slow obedience is still disobedience. When you know His will, just do it. Walk in it. He says, as James says, he says, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. That's strong. You boast in your arrogant schemes. In other words, you've thought up visions and plans and concepts for your life that aren't necessarily from God, but you're, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. As I thought about it, I realised, Actually, this is really easy to do. Like you boast in your arrogant schemes. It's easy to boast about, oh, you know, I've got this, this, this kind of five-year plan. Or I've got this 10-year plan. And in this 10-year plan, you can boast as much as you want because there's very little accountability really to it. You know, they may come back in 10 years and say, yeah, what happened to that? But, but at the time, you can boast as much as you want. You can say, yeah, I've got this 10-year vision. I'm going to start a university and, uh, you know, I'm going to do all these things. And people can just go, oh, wow, that's great. You know, you can boast as much as, as, much as you want. It may never happen, but he says, you, you, you know, um, as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Now, I don't mean to, you know, shred on the kind of university scheme. If that's what God's got for your life, then go for it. Absolutely. But you know what I mean? Like we can just say whatever. Like we can just say, oh, in five years I'm going to do this. In 10 years I'm going to do this. We just say whatever. And he says, boasting like that's just evil. Now that's strong, like evil. That's pretty full on, don't you reckon? That's strong. And don't take up with me, take up with James, you know, and God. Like, 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 but, but it's strong language. And it goes on to say this, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. I tell you what, I need to ask for forgiveness. Because I don't know about you, but I know there's been multiple times God's laid something in my heart and I just thought, oh, it's too scary. And, you know, out of my own pride, I want to save face. Or what will they think of me? Or, you know, God says, go and talk to that person or offer them this or whatever. I think, oh, I don't know. And I just become a coward because I'm just, uh, because I justify in my mind, you know, uh, why not to do it? And God says, if you know you ought to do something, actually, as a matter of fact, God's laid something on, on your heart, hasn't he? Actually, you've even thought about it for years. You've, God's laid something on your heart. It's, been, it's a ministry area or it's something to give to someone or it's, it, it, you, you know what it is. But God has laid something on your heart and you've thought about it and you've contemplated it and you still haven't done it. And God says to you today, He says, your life is short. It's so short, it's a mist, it's a vapour. Do not put it off any longer. Some of you need to walk out of here and go straight home or go to your neighbour or make that phone call. Because if He says this, if anyone knows the good you ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin. And we need to ask for forgiveness and say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for not doing that. And you know what it is. It's something that he's called you to start and launch. But yes, it's maybe tough or it seems overwhelming, but he wants you to do it. And you need to walk out of here and just say, commit and repent and say, God, I need to do it. I need to do it. I was reminded this morning, there's a book by, maybe many of you are familiar with it, but um, you know, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I think it's Stephen R. Covey who writes this book. And uh, he talks about, and I just remember, I remember it this morning, but he talks about he's worked with some very successful people, right, in his life. And he's, he also talks about how in his lifetime he's worked with, uh, with people that 
have been very successful in the world's eyes, um, um, built successful businesses, made a lot of money, all these sorts of things. And he said, the, one of the saddest things, though, that he's done is he sat with people. And in their older age, they reflect upon this life that they've lived, you know, pursued career, pursued money, pursued stuff. He said, the saddest thing, I've sat with so many older people that as they reflect back, they say, I climbed this ladder. My entire life, I climbed this ladder of success. And he says, we, he says they get there and they look at their life as they look back and they climb the ladder and they get to the very top of the ladder and they go, wow, I think I climbed the wrong ladder. Like, I just think I climbed the wrong ladder. I was so fixated on my life all about being me and I've just missed out. And, and their souls are deeply uh, dissatisfied because it's only God and His will and His plan for our purpose for our lives is where we'll, true, we'll truly find uh, deep satisfaction. And as I reflect on that, I know I've often thought about this in my own life. I thought, man, how tragic, like how sad. And I think God just wants to protect you from living this life of climbing this ladder all about our own lives and get to the end and go, man, I climbed the wrong ladder. I don't want to live a life where I've climbed the wrong ladder and just think I could have done more. I could have done more for the kingdom of God. Why was I so fixated on me? And I'm convinced that this is what he's saying to you. And he's, he's saying to us this morning, he says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't get to the end of your life and go, I could have done more. I could have done more. I, I just was reminded, and I don't know if I'll explain it real well, but I was just reminded um, last night actually, about some of you may have seen the movie The Schindler's List and Steven Spielberg film and Liam Neeson uh, plays in it, but it's a bit of the journey of um, uh, Oscar Schindler uh, is his name, and it's uh, based around uh, you know the Nazi camp and killing all the Jewish people, and and it's in that era. And uh, Oscar Schindler had this big uh, business and uh, like a big factory. And he was taking in all these workers. And the story basically goes, and I just remember, I was reminded of the, the final scene in the movie. And I know movies don't always pick it perfectly true or whatever, but it was just this final scene that really struck my heart. And this is kind of what God's talking to us about today. But in the final scene, if you've seen the movie, kind of spoiler alert a little bit if you want to see it. But um, in the final scene, Schindler comes out and basically what happens uh, is, is um, he saves all these Jewish people from being murdered, killed in these Nazi you know, concentration camps and uh, being gassed to death and all this sort of stuff. And, and uh, it, it turns out it saved around 1,100 people. So he's got all these workers. And, and basically, he just takes these workers on that are saving them from these Nazi concentration camps. And he takes these workers on. And in actual fact, his factory is losing huge amounts of money. And he gets to the very end. And the war is just pretty much about over. And in this very last scene, uh, Oscar Schindler comes out and all these workers had gathered together and they put together this gold ring and they give him this gold ring as, a, as, a, um, as an act of resp um, respect or honour towards um, Schindler because, I mean, he saved their lives. Like, he literally saved their lives. And his little accountant comes out and gives him this ring and he gets this ring and, and, as he, and, and um, one of them comes over to him and says, thank you so much. And they're all surrounding, all 1,100 of them, all these workers that he saves, all surrounding Schindler in this moment. And they say, thank you so much for saving our life. Like, thank you, thank you. And he has this moment as he reflects and he says to his accountant in this moment, as there's just in awe of Oscar Schindler. And he says this, he says this thing in this moment and he says, I could have done more. He says, I could have done more. And he looks, he, he looks at his car and, and he really didn't have much left, but he had this car and he had this gold 
pen that he had and just a few very small other items. But as he looks at this car that's beside him, as he's about to hop in this car and all these people are surrounding him, he says, I could have done something more. And he looks at this car and he falls to his knees and he's crying and weeping. He says, this car, this car was 10 people. It could have been sold and it could have been 10 people that I could have employed and saved. It could have been 10 souls. And then he pulls out this gold pen that he had. This, this pen, he said, it could have been sold. And it could have been maybe two people, two people, maybe one, but even just one. I could have done more. I could have done more. And he's weeping and crying as he's reflecting upon the, the more that he could have done. And I, I, just, I just think this morning that for all of us here, James is warning us, don't, don't get to the end of your life and, and live this, this whole all-consuming life about you and what you're going to achieve and get to the end and say, oh my goodness, I literally wasted my life. You know, C.S. Lewis, he says this. There's a quote here, he says, everything that is not eternal is worthless in eternity. Everything that is not eternal is worthless in eternity. Everything that you do here on earth um, that is not eternal has zero impact in eternity. Don't waste your life, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't get to the end of your life and say, I could have done something more. Maybe just one more soul, one more person. We need a mindset of not things of this earth, but a mindset of the Kingdom of God, a mindset that, hey, hey, people are, people are perishing. If, if the Bible is true, if, if this Gospel is true and it's real and, and there is a heaven and a hell, then we must leverage everything that we have, everything that God's given us because it's not really ours anyway. We must leverage our resources, our time, our finances, everything that we have for the Kingdom of God and towards souls, that they might be introduced to the greatest Father that anybody could ever encounter, that they might experience life and life to the full here and now and life forevermore as well. There is nothing else in this world that is worth more than that, nothing. And God says to you, this is not a great suggestion, it's the great commission. He says to you and He says to me, go and make disciples. There can be no confusion. Do not waste your life. Do not waste it. We need an eternal perspective, not an earthly one. Father God, I am convinced that You're speaking to people's hearts right now. And some of us need to repent and say, God, I'm so sorry because I have been absolutely fixating on what I'm gonna build, what I'm gonna do, what we're gonna, uh, what we're gonna achieve, all these different things. And we need a shift in our mindset. We need a kingdom mindset. And so in this moment, in this moment, we just wanna take this opportunity to respond to you to repent and say, God, we are sorry. And I know God, we, we, I know I, I, I don't always get this right. We don't always get this right, but we need a shift in our minds and in our thinking. And I just think it's a holy, this is a holy moment. I felt prompted before, but you know who you are. God has laid something on your heart to do uh, you know that you've put something off. You know there's something you need to let go of. You know that deep down, you know deep down in your heart, you've been absolutely consumed by the things of this world, by that business, by that money, by that career, whatever it might be. And God just invites you. God just invites you. He's, he's a loving Father. He's not angry or mad and upset out of His grace. Don't you see it? Out of His grace, He invites you this morning to say, Come to me, just surrender it. I've got a better plan. I've got a better plan for your life and you know who you are. And so I just 
feel that in this moment, it's an opportunity for you to respond to, to, you know, I can pray for you, but I think really this is between you and God in this moment. And so in this attitude of prayer, I'm gonna invite you to pray to Him. And if that's you this morning, as an act of surrender, I'm gonna just invite you to put your, just in this attitude of prayer, eyes closed, which is really between you and God. But put your hands out. You can just put maybe put them on your lap or just beside your hands out, but with your palms facing up as a response of surrender to God to say, God, I, I need a mind shift here. I need, I need an eternal perspective. You can just do that now to say, God, I, help me in this space. For some of you, this is huge. It's a really big conviction on your heart. Just talk to him about it. Just say, God, I need your grace and your mercy and I wanna, I wanna change in this space. So you can do that now just in an attitude of, of prayer. Put your hands out, say, God, God, I need you. God, I need you. Now I'm just gonna give you a moment to pray to him. Just give you a moment to seek him. Give you a moment just in the stillness and the quietness to say, God, help me. Just talk to him. Talk to him about whatever it is. You know what it is and he knows what it is. But just talk to him. Repent and talk to him about that, those things in your heart and in your life. Give you a moment to do that. I just want to invite you in this moment just to stand. Father God, as we stand in response to you and as this moment of worship, as we just worship and praise you, great God, I just thank you that you've heard every single prayer. Every single prayer, great God. And what a powerful and almighty moment to respond to you. And there's still opportunity to respond. But Lord, as we sing these words, there is a response for us that, yeah, God, we just surrender afresh. We just surrender afresh our lives, our hearts, our mind, every every aspect of who we are, we just surrender afresh. We need to do this every day, but what a powerful and a holy moment to surrender to You as we sing these words, great God. Jesus, I surrender all to Him I freely give, and I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. again all to Jesus and all to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust him in his presence 
daily. Come on, we sing, I surrender. And I surrender all. time all to Jesus. And all to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. And I will ever love and trust Him in His presence day I surrender. And I surrender all. And I surrender all. All to Thee. And all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender.
prayerful church. We love praying for people. And uh, maybe you just feel to respond in some way this morning. And we'd love to pray for you. So you feel free just in the final parts of this song to come down if you'd like that. We'd love to pray for you. It could be about whatever you want, but it's really important. Whatever, if God's laid something on your heart this morning, don't miss the opportunity just to be prayed for and say, God, God, I wanna respond to you. I wanna respond to you. So you feel free to do that. You can just come down the front and we'll pray for you.
It is a blessing to be the church gathered this morning. And as we head out as the church scattered during the week, I pray that you would know the Holy Spirit's leading, know Him with you, know those little promptings of His Spirit, um, just to be obedient to Him. Jesus, protect us from people who hear Your Word and don't obey it today. Pray that you've been blessed together today. We would love to keep praying for anyone who feels just prompted to come for prayer now, but also encourage you to continue this beautiful fellowship um, in the courtyard. Join the welcome team. If you are new here today, we'd love to get to know you and welcome you. The kids are somewhere needing to be picked up as well. So thank you, church. Bless you as you head out this week.